0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. i got a good friend on here today, Dave Flad from iStrike as well as Release Over 20. And we're going to be talking about kind of the birth of Release Over 20. We had a podcast a year or so ago um, kind of talking about how, how Release Over 20 came to be. But we're going to kind of give you all the full story of and and talk about what it's become today and kind of uh, the goals and aspirations for it going forward. And then also really pick Dave's brain about some wintertime fall and wintertime trout fishing down in the low country down around charleston um, and in the you know the greater south Carolina area so um excited about that uh and before we get into that i just want to remind y'all about eric williams my good buddy a realtor um just a great realtor in the in the north in the wilmington north Carolina area if you're looking for a house um, if you're looking for investment real estate if you're looking for land uh, any of that stuff he covers it all he's helping my wife and i look for a little piece of property right now to build hopefully build a house on the next year or two so um definitely check him out if you're interested in any of that but enough pre-show chit chat i'm gonna go ahead and bring on dave what's going on man good to see you how you
1: doing judd thanks uh, for having me on again
0: oh for sure for sure i'm glad that we're uh we're doing this and we've been uh we've been kind of corresponding back and forth a good bit lately but happy to uh to get on here and actually get to hang out do a podcast together and catch up so uh, how how have things been down your way
1: it's been good I- it's been like drinking from the fire hose lately because it just uh, I strike being super busy and successful, which is a great thing. But also, um, which we'll get into, release over twenty is now its own uh, nonprofit organization, so it's kind of like a startup, starting a new business from scratch. Yeah. And uh, I've done that now a few times, and it's uh, it's a lot of work, but it's fun, but just a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I feel like you have to get better at it. Like now you kind of know the hoops to jump through a little bit more than last. But is doing the nonprofit thing kind of a whole new beast as opposed to just a business?
1: It is uh, a little bit. I mean, it's still a business, but, you know, obviously you have have to be, um, you know, different regulations to keep in mind in terms of staying legal and that whole space, which is, that's new to me. So uh, we're just trying to get the right people to advise us. Right. what we can and can't do and that
0: sort of thing. Well, I feel like most people that are on this podcast have heard of release over 20, but kind of give us the backstory, explain what it is, explain kind of like, like I was saying earlier, just the, the story of the growth and, and kind of, it really took off like wildfire. I remember how quickly the Instagram grew and I was seeing release over 20 stickers everywhere and hashtags. And so just kind of, kind of tell people the, the backstory of it.
1: Sure. Um, so I, I'm, in the past, if, if you really want to know like a lot of the details, you need to go back to Judd's history of Eastern Current, and you can you can hear all the details. But yeah. In a, in a nutshell, I mean, you had a huge part in launching this thing. It just it basically is something I've been doing for about 10 years. Um, at least in trout over 20 inches, and um, just because I, I just felt like I wanted to make a difference myself because there was never going to be a law for an upper slot for trout in South Carolina. So I just thought it was a personal way for me to make a difference myself even though it's just one person and pretty selfishly just wanting more fish and more gator trout to catch. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't want that?
0: It's selfish but also selfless at the same time if you think about it. (laughs) Yeah, I I
1: think so. But, you know, it's kind of an epiphany. Um, It's like most people are just like, well, I'll keep my limit or just, you know, the, the, the DNR says I can keep this much uh, fish or this size fish. And that's the law. But, you know, there's no reason you can't make your own law that's more restrictive. Right. Just follow it. Just like, a, you know, sort of making an oath to do it. For and sure. That's, that's in a nutshell what it is. It's not really about over 20 per se. In fact, if you look at our mission, it says we're trying to influence anglers to follow their own personal laws more restrictive than the than the law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Actual law. And um and we're doing it by trying to be um using positive reinforcement and using facts that are um boiled down from scientific research. Because yeah. it's my opinion that most anglers, and I count myself as among them, most anglers don't know the basic facts about the fish are catching and releasing. One probably one of the most glaring ones is that most people don't realize that every flounder of keeper size is female, every single one. And to me, that was shocking to hear. And and you look at the research, and it shows a 30-year downtrend in the numbers. It shouldn't be really surprising that every flounder kept is female. I mean, that's that's the um, the spawning you know broodstock. And, um, and, and we're not at all about releasing every fish, you know. Right. I, I keep fish all the time, and I don't keep a lot. I keep enough to eat fresh. Uh, but it's way less than the law allows me to keep. For sure. So I keep one or maybe two. Um, so that's not... A lot of people, we get sometimes a lot of misconception that that's what we're, we're just like. you got to release everything, and that's not the case. Um, but anyway, so... It's not really about over twenty. It's like it's kind of like a marketing thing. It's it's a nice round number. It's based on my own personal belief, but it's kind of like you set your own limits and then you follow them. For sure. You know what I mean? But that being said, we are rewarding people for releasing fish over twenty inches, and you can choose to you know keep some over twenty if you want. But if you choose that your limits twenty three we of them over twenty three, just send them in. We'll you know, we'll count them
0: toward the initiative. To For sure. That's super cool. So, does
1: it make sense? I mean, no, it makes perfect,
0: perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And um, you know, I have trouble I'm just I was gonna make a joke about how I only catch big fish and I have to do twenty three, but that's <laughs> it's not even it wasn't even gonna be that funny. Um, no, I, I I'm with you on it. And one thing I was nervous when we first talked about this is like I wanna do this with my clients. And I was like, I'm gonna have some a lot of my clients are very into this type of thing especially my regular clients. Uh, and then, then you have some tourist-type clients that, I, I mean, out of everyone I talked to this summer about releasing, because I don't catch many trout from like in the dead heat of summer um, or the dead of winter. I don't target them very much. But um, clients were, like, super into it and thought it was really cool. And when you explain it and you really understand where it's coming from, like, people are all about it usually. Now you get your some people that they're like, they're only going to fish once a year and then want as many fish as they can to take home. As much meat, like an extra couple ounces of meat means a lot to them. And I I get that. And I can't make them, you know, let the fish go. But that's something I've started to tell people. I was like, hey, if you want to keep fish, we can keep her. If you want to keep your limited trout, we can keep your limited trout. But we're going to release the big ones. Anything over 20 inches, we're going to release. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. It does stink when you get on like a good bite of big fish and all the fish are over 20 and they really wanted to keep fish. And you're like, no, we got to let them all go. That one's harder to harder to pitch to people. but. Just, just having that as an open conversation with clients and and teaching people why it's important. So many people just, like like you said, just think that the laws are are the end all be all and the best solution for the fisheries, and they aren't typically at all. So uh, right. I think that's super neat. So since the birth of of uh, release over twenty, kind of where has it has it kind of grown in the way that you thought it would? Where where has it taken y'all to now?
1: Yeah. A great question. So last time that we had a podcast was with with you and Joe Mm -hmm. and it was a few months after we got rolling and it was really taking off. And since then it's been growing steadily and pretty fast too. I want to say like maybe 10% a month. That's awesome. uh, It really adds up. I think we have almost 8,300 followers on Instagram now. Yeah. And, um, it's, um, you know we've we've decided to add a couple of species to what we're rewarding um we added flounder at the beginning of 2021. 20, yeah um as a result of like some of the um, push down here in south carolina about the, the fact that flounder were in decline mm-hmm. um and then in the september of 2021 we added a cheap set because i uh, was listening to some people um daniel mancarry um, has a podcast up in the Northeast. Yeah. And they are seeing some real um, problems with big sheep's head up there getting cleared out of what used to be a, a plentiful amount of them. Yeah. And, you know, when you look into those species, they have some compelling reasons to release them. Like flounder, obviously, they're all female. Like they're keeper size. It's, that's a kind of a slam dunk. But, yeah, um, no, no arguing that. What I didn't no. realize about sheep's head until I started researching them is that they grow real slow. So they're kind of like, Picture like a you know a human adult male you know they might be maximum average six feet in height so you you grow real fast when you're a teenager and then you slow down and then you just get fatter right, <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs>
1: right. so that's what a sheep said does and, and the number is pretty crazy at least and, and I have to say this is based on South Carolina research Uhhuh. because I need I have a lot to learn about how that species. Um, changes it al- along its range, it's it's pretty wildly different. But in South Carolina, an 18-inch head might be five years old, but when it hits 20 inches, it's 10 years old. Wow. So, you know, you think, well, wow, I have got a 21-inch sheephead; it's going to be great on the dinner table, and it will. But the thing is, that's that's an old fish. Yeah. And you keep all those big fish out of a out of a spot, and it's going to be like you know 10 more years until those would rejuvenate to that size yeah for sure it's much better to keep an 18 inch here than it is a 20 yeah
0: that's cool i did not Small know that.
1: Difference in length but it's a big difference in how old they are
0: yeah an 18 inch fish as opposed to a 20 inch fish as far as meat for the table it's much or not not much of a difference at all really that's and that's the same argument i have with people about trout i'm like you know a 22 inch trout as opposed to a 18 inch trout you're really not going to notice the difference on the filet maybe if i'm filleting it you might notice the difference because i'm not very good but um you know there's about the same amount of meat on them so and and the same thing is like those bigger trout they just get bigger bellies like the the filet doesn't necessarily get all that much bigger it's really the the belly and the girth of its stomach and its head and everything that gets so much bigger so you're not Really doing much for yourself to keep those bigger ones. Are there any other other fish that you've added besides the sheep's head and the flounder?
1: That's it so far. We're mm-hmm. holding off right now. um I would say probably the next one we're going to add
0: would be striper. Cool.
1: Um, hugely popular species along the whole coast. Yeah. And, um, I think that that's going to be really popular. You know, adding a species comes with a cost. For like sure. Monetary cost. Yeah, And we're just being careful about overextending ourselves until we can afford to provide the decals and whatnot. I want to show you these. I don't know if it's going to show up on the thing, but you know these little decals that we had made? Oh, yeah. Tallying your catches. So they've been really popular. I call them helmet decals, but they're kind of like tally decals, sort of, you know? Yeah. And request these when you enter a fish. And Like I have a whole grid of them on the on the side of my uh, inside gunwale on my boat. Oh, that's so cool. Twenty-one. I think I ended up with sixteen, and i started started twenty twenty-two already. But it's kind of cool because you can look down and just sort of measure yourself on how many you released. Yeah, but that's Now we awesome. have these species specific ones. So I've got um, I had uh, Kevin Putnam from Putnam Studios make these, and it, they're kind of cool because they're in the in the same theme kind of styling as the trout. Now you got a flounder and the sheepside one.
0: Yeah, that's you awesome.
1: Will send to people when they release one, but it's it's funny though because like I'm finding that the, these species that have a lot of table fare value is a it's a much um, earlier in the reality of releasing if you, if you uh, follow. I don't have a lot of uh, entries every month. It's like maybe 10 or 12 uh, flounder. Yeah. maybe under 10 sheep's head right now compared to like currently in January, we have 210 trout. Wow. So it's a big difference, but I think we'll get there over time.
0: For sure. I but think it's just an awareness just have a
1: thing. Hard time releasing the big, this big, like a flounder. Is like, wow, this is going to be great dinner. <laughs> you know?
0: Definitely. That's the tough one about a flounder. It's like even catching flounder. It's hard to convince people with cl- even clients like, hey, we can go catch 50 flounder. And they're like, because we have a season now. And they're like, well, can we keep them? And right. I'm like, we can't keep them right now. And they're like, well, we don't want to catch flounder if we can't keep them. But I'm like, Fla- catching flounder is so fun to me. Like, I really like mm-hmm. flounder fishing, especially in the ocean. And, and I, I think it's just, just trying and trying to just grow this catch and release mentality for all fish. And not that it's bad to keep them, but that you don't always have to keep fish, you know, and that it's just fun to catch them. So uh, Yeah, that's I, what we're
1: trying to do. I mean, we're, our overarching goal is just to change that mentality on a large scale right over a lot of pretty much any species so just the fact that we have these three now is just the beginning I'm going to help over time we can add almost every species to it for sure and then reward people for that it'll just it'll grow everything a lot but the thing is like the more you start releasing fish the more you want to that's definitely. what i found that's definitely a lot of times I'm Maybe keeping less fish than I used to, just because I enjoy releasing them. Right,
0: right. I just
1: feel like it's the right thing to do, you know. It's just my my own mentality has changed as a result.
0: Oh, definitely. You know? It it's it is it is very fun to catch them and release them, and um, it's still. But let me ask you this: if, yeah.
1: if you caught like a, a nine-pound flounder, wouldn't you consider that a huge thrill?
0: Yeah. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> I, most definitely. I, I would
1: too, man. I'd be like so stoked.
0: Yeah. Nine-pound flounder would be awesome.
1: Honored, but, you know, the more we do that, the more, the more of those are going to be around.
0: For sure. it's it, that, And that's just that mentality. And I think y'all have done such a good job of making it cool. I mean, the stickers that I see, I see them all over our town, the release over 20 cool. stickers and hearing people talk about it. And you can just say release over 20. Like everyone's heard of it. Like everyone in our fishing community here, has at least heard of Release Over Twenty. They might not even know that it's like a an Instagram page and a initiative and and whatnot. But they've at least heard somebody say it, which I think is you're on the right, you know, the right path towards um, you know actually really making a difference. And I think it's just exposure and getting the right people to be doing it and to be posting about it because it's the whole reason anyone does anything nowadays is because someone that they think is cool on social media is doing it, you know what I mean? And so, and that's not the full reason, but I feel like just ha and, and it's such a great cause. And I feel like it, it, it is just going to blow up as, as people start to start to really catch on and see that catching and releasing is, is cool. Like it's not posting a, yeah. like it. Like it's becoming cooler than posting a picture of a bunch of dead fish, um, you know, on a, on a cut, cutting table or whatnot. So,
1: yeah, and I think you know, just as a as a case in point, is what um, Chris Bush and those guys at Speckle Truth have done. Yeah, they they've really made it cool to pursue you know giant trout, but not only pursue them, but take care of them, definitely handle them right, release them so healthy, and that's probably. I mean, I think that's probably why our trout numbers are so high because. Yeah, you know, I don't even think they have an idea how big the impact of Special Truth has been on the angling community.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, I mean it's, you know, we look up to those guys, and they've been a huge influence on us. And uh, you know, we try to, you know, consider them partners in this whole thing. We're all we're all kind of trying to do the same thing. For sure. But there's a lot of overlap, but there's some differences. You know, we're we're trying to, you know, extend it to many different species. And you know they're more focused on trout, which is great. Yeah, Chris hates yes.
0: a redfish, from what I've been told. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he said he said that a few times. He has, and, and that, you know that's fine. To each their own. You know? Definitely. So we, the reason we haven't really included redfish is that they're so protected legally already. Like most redfish have upper right. spots already. So definitely. Um, but that being said, I think we probably will add them because I was just having a discussion. Yesterday, with uh, one of our fisheries biologists here at DNR. Mm-hmm. And if you look at our trends for redfish, they're, they're plunging. Are they? We're trying to figure out why. And, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation. So, you know, don't quote me on this because there's no science to back it up. But it kind of is, there's kind of some common sense because as a result of having an upper slot for redfish for, I don't know how long it's been, maybe 20 years now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we have an incredible. Full red fishery here, as you do in North Carolina.
0: Right. Giant
1: fish. And there's literally hundreds of guides here who make a living. It's easy to go out there in late summer through early fall and put your clients on these, you know, trophy sized fish and many of them in a single day, every single day. Right. Problem is, the reason they're inshore is they're spawning. So, you put that much pressure on them while they're trying to spawn, you know. So you catch a fish, you know, is it going to interrupt the process of spawning? Um, probably, mm-hmm. I think. You know, it's pretty traumatic. Definitely, to be yanked. It up would. It nose. would
0: interfere with my spawning.
1: <laughs> it would. Yeah, me too. So, but uh, for whatever reason, even though we have this upper slot for redfish, the, the numbers are not looking good. Yeah. So it probably would make sense to have more voluntary releases of Redfish too, so you know we'll look at that in the future but definitely trying to get past our fundraiser right now <laughs> yeah definitely no
0: I, while I'm thinking about this I keep thinking about it and wanting to bring it up at the, like at the end but is there a way that people if they just like Release Over 20 and want to donate and want to is there a way that people can be monthly supporters of Release Over 20 or anything like that
1: Um, great question thanks for bringing that up um, we don't so we don't have like a monthly thing at least not yet yeah um, but we do have a way to donate okay so we have a brand new website which I, I, I would really love to talk about a little bit I'm yeah let's let's start. jump into it it's um it's releaseover20.org okay. so we used to point everyone to dot com which we still own but but the new sites dot org it's a brand new website it's got tons of information cool thing about it is now when you enter your fish, it has real time data analytics. So, as soon as you put in your flounder and then you refresh the site, the, the number of flounder releases goes up by one. That's cool. So, you can actually see it. And um, we also have angler and state leaderboards that update in real time. And they update for current month, current year, and all time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you, you can look back and see, you know, I think um, I don't know if you know Corey Mayo from yeah. Virginia Beach area. He has some ridiculous number, like 300 and something trout over twenty released, Wow! He's like far and away the leader in the country. So he, he, you know, he may not even know it, but he's the number one trout releaser in the whole country. That's cool. That's so now you cool. can actually go and look at it and show your friends or show your mom or something. Right. <laughs> um, and we have it broken down by state. So it's really cool because basically it's everything's going in a database. And we can, you know, I can create basically different views that that can show the data in different ways. Yeah. And I can have it automatically update in real time. Yeah. So it's kind of fun because you, uh, you can go and see where things stand. There's actually an egg counter, too. Um, one of the things we've talked about in the past is that a 20-inch trout releases 20 million eggs a season. Um, they spawn about every four to five days, which is something I never knew. I always thought they spawned only a few times and it was on the full moon. Wow! But not true. They spawn about every four to five days. So they're, they're throughout birds. the whole year,
0: or just the warmer months?
1: Well, during the spawning season. So oh, during the spawning season. Okay. Charleston, it's like you know, maybe mid-April or late late April until September. Wow. There's like a there's a, there's peaks and troughs in it, so that yeah. peaks around. Um, May And June, yeah, okay, that makes it drops sense. Drops off in the hot of the summer, and then it picks back up a little bit in the fall. Okay. Sometimes you know you'll catch trout in, the, in September and you'll find some eggs in it. Yeah. To keep it. Um, but, um, yeah, that's a lot of eggs. So they're just constantly putting eggs out there every single night. There's a, there's a spawning group every single night, spreading eggs around, and 20 million eggs. You know, that's that's a, um, it's based on actual data from a, a research paper. You know, it's not exactly 20 million. It might be plus or minus, right? But in general, it's around 20 million. So what we what we do is we take um, if you just count every trout entered in the database, you count it as only a 20-inch trout. Of course, the bigger they get, the more eggs they spawn. Right. But we just take the minimum, which would be a 20-inch trout, and you only count it once, even though maybe you released it um, last year and it's still alive and it's still spawning. Only count one season. You just just add that number up and see where it is. Well, we just passed 5,000 trout entered in the program since its beginning, and that equates to over 100 billion eggs spawned.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Just
1: like that's another. You look at that and say, like, Wow, that's pretty wild. That's that is a wild. Of, a lot of eggs. Of course, they don't all make it to be real trout. Right. But I'm trying to. They got to be eggs first, understand though. Understand what what. What that relates to in terms of fish, like, and um, I'm am I'm, I'm talking with some biologists right now. I'm trying to see make some like rough guesses, and they're uh, they're real careful. They're like, well, I don't know. I don't want you to quote me on this because you don't really know for <laughs> sure. And I'm like, it's it's cool. Right. We're not we're not holding anyone to the fire, but I just want a realistic rough idea. An idea, there. yeah. So that people understand, you know, if I release this fish, it might end up. In three seasons to be a um, hundred, hundred.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So, because every fish, ultimately, it matters. You know, it's like a. Uh, you remove a fish, you're basically cutting a root of a tree. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, like offspring. Those For offspring sure. make offspring and whatnot. For sure. That's uh,
0: that's crazy. Yeah, so that that's cool The have those thing, numbers.
1: Analytics is, is pretty cool. That was a long way to go around saying we do have a donate. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, that is the, That was the basis of this. <laughs> and
1: and we do have um, apparel. We have the solar shirts and some hats. And Of course, you can buy the decals if you want instead of them. Um, otherwise, you can get them for free just by entering the fish.
0: I don't know how difficult it would be, but I feel like a monthly, like just put in your information and just like a monthly withdrawal from people's accounts. Like I, I know I would sign up for that. If it was like I could do $10 a month to –
1: like a membership program like a
0: membership program yeah, yeah. You, you just join and you're a donor to release over 20 it helps fund and inspire all these people to release fish over 20 this like i think that would just be a cool way to you know even if it was just 50 people that were given 10 dollars a month you know and it would still help out and i feel like it would i feel like people would catch on to it for sure yeah but, I'm definitely looking at it.
1: It's a great idea thank
0: you yeah for sure for sure it's that's how Netflix gets us too, you know, the ten dollars a month. That just you might not watch Netflix for a couple months, but the ten dollars still comes out. Um, well, cool. Well, is there anything else about? Oh, let's talk a little bit about the event that y'all have coming up for, for release over twenty.
1: So, yeah, so we have a fundraiser event coming up February fifth down here in Charleston,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's being run by the Post and Courier, which is the biggest newspaper in South Carolina. They have an event staff, and they're going to do a first-class job. It's going to be at Firefly Distillery, which is a great, big, huge venue. There's going to be a live bluegrass band, oyster roasts, barbecue, and we have a number of speakers lined up. So um, I'm pretty excited about our speaker lineup because I think it's going to be really cool. One thing I'm really excited about is we have a women in angling panel. Oh, cool. be made of some of the uh, women who are sort of leaders in our area, whether they own a business or they're uh, charter captains or um, kind of entrepreneurial in the field. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be something that we, we haven't had a lot of in this town. It would be really good for people to hear from them and like, what their challenges are. For sure. That's not so, so much uh, related to the, the conservation cause, but we do have one... That's, you um, know, you remember Ralph, my partner Ralph. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have him and Mike Abel Sr. Mike Abel Sr. was the founder of Hatchel's Point Tackle, which is like yeah. the one remaining, like, um, long-time local tackle shop here in the area. And he and Ralph were two of the three original fishing guys in Charleston.
0: That's so cool. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that There's literally crazy. like
1: 400 now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but golly. They,
1: they were charter, captaining here in the 70s.
0: Mm.
1: And um, I have those two on a panel to talk about. It's called um, Charleston Fishing Then and Now. That's awesome. And That'll be interesting. My my goal in this whole thing is, because I've heard these stories from both of them over the years, just you know, on fishing boat, I hear, man, you should have seen what it used to be like, the striper used to be like in the Cooper River. He'd tell me, and I'd be like, What? Yeah. And so people's idea of the abundance of the fishery is relative. Very. For like 15 years. And I've seen a decline, but I've also seen where like the red fishing has been night and day from where it is today. And in my reference point of what, what great fishing is, is when I started fishing. But we don't have, most people, in this area don't have any idea what it used to really be and these two guys are going to get up there and tell us like this is what the abundance used to be in charleston and the the thing i want people to take away from it is you know why can't we take action to get it back there we can't get it but not just back to how it was five years ago but let's let's have a stretch goal and trying to make it what it was 30 years ago or something you know definitely we all want that you don't want to buy a boat and then just goes you might as well buy a sailboat right if you don't have any fish to catch
0: <laughs> all right. it definitely is getting windier every year that's for sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I mean, one thing we can count on
1: but you know who wouldn't want to have more fish and more quality fish to catch 100% it'd be great for tourism it'd be just a lot of fun you know we'd, we'd support fishing guides and you know, show a little restraint and I really think we can make a difference. So there's that panel. We also have Matt Chipperfield uh, coming up from Jacksonville and most most of your followers probably know who Matt is. For sure. Kind of a trout fishing legend. Uh, I've fished with him a few times. He's got a, a degree in like fisheries biology. He knows a lot about the behaviors of these trout. He's very analytical. Like in the Guana Reservoir down there, he knows an incredible amount of information about how to best target these fish. He's going to come cool. up, just give us like a master class in like, if you want to catch big trout, you know, listen careful. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: awesome.
1: He's uh he's amazing. So I'm really excited about him. And then um, our headliner is C.A. Richardson from Flats Class TV. He's going to come up and, uh, talk to us about you know conservation and fishing and you know how he he can go you just kind of give him a subject and just uh he can go with it it. for (laughs) sure he's he's just so good and uh it's going to be a big draw for anglers here too so yeah that's having a a silent auction which uh, i appreciate you uh, stepping up we're going to have um a bunch of guides uh, trips to bid on it's going to be online so that anyone in the country can bid on the items. Uh, most of the items right now are local from Charleston. There's some really good stuff There's fishing rods, reels, um, coolers, um, several charters from Charleston. Yeah. We you got yourself, um, so you can bid on a charter with Judd um, out of North Carolina, and I'm hoping in the next week and a half to add. A uh, bunch from other states too. Uh, yeah. some from Texas and uh, Florida and Gulf Coast if possible. For sure. And um, try to, you know, get that in. And all the money raised from that is going to go directly to us. Uh, whereas the, um, the, you know, the rest of the fundraiser is, they have to cover the cost of putting the thing on. And then overage from that will go to us. So we'll see where it ends up but we're optimistic it will raise a fair amount of money for us. Yeah, I think it will, man. We can decide how to best use it. So all that money is going to go toward, like like I said, we've got a bunch of incentives, concepts for incentives for people, like um, guides to get involved and um, individual anglers to get involved and and keep entering more fish and get more back. So we're basically trying to reward people for doing the right thing. Definitely. And uh, the more income we make, the more we can do. You know, whether it's like magazine ads or going to trade shows. Um, so we also want to do some a bunch of educational stuff. Like um, we're working already, I'm working with some uh, professors and people from DNR um, about trying to bridge the gap between what we know are the best practices for releasing fish mm-hmm. so they survive the release to actual everyday angler How to apply that to the real world? You know, see that a lot. There's there's a lot of great information that's all factually accurate. You know, like minimizing time out of the water, handling them, keeping them wet, you know that stuff. But if you, at least I say, if I look and I just passively observe anglers in the water, they're not doing it. They're boat flipping fish. They're bouncing around the bottom of the boat. You know, they're holding up for a camera. Out of the water for three minutes, you know they're dropping the fish in the bottom of the boat. I think we can do we can improve on that just through um, trying trying to make practical um, suggestions on how to just change the behavior of that a little bit. For so that's sure. kind of a goal we have going forward.
0: That just makes me think about one thing that that is a good topic to think about and talk about, and and that's like even still handling and managing smaller fish correctly as well because i feel like yeah. you catch a big fish and you're like 100 plan on releasing it you're taking really good care of it you're keeping it wet you're you know you're putting it back in the water well but like you said boat flipping fish and i can be guilty of that sometimes i'm on a really good bite and i'm just trying to get a trout in real quick and, and get him back in the water but like an eight inch trout that you're throwing back he's already eight inches closer to being a 30 inch trout than a trout that's not born yet so it's like taking that time to release every fish properly and handle every fish well is it's something i need to be more aware of and i feel like uh, most people need to be more aware of just just handling fish well so
1: and me too yeah I, i've i've like lately i've been on myself as well i'm like you know i really didn't handle that fish very well
0: right
1: <laughs> sometimes i think i did well and i maybe still didn't do very well so we can all and, that, and I, i'm not definitely not ever saying i'm holier than that one. Right, I'm learning too and it's like just kind of like talking about the science and not knowing the science like, I was as guilty of that as anybody but once I like looked into the facts it was like it was like a, a game changer for me for sure attitude so for sure yeah we're all trying to get better
0: most definitely and and I, what I love about, about release over 20 and especially about you Dave is like there being in the industry especially in north carolina there's so many people that can sit there and complain about what's happening and complain about a fishery so much but no one does anything about it not saying no one does but a a lot of people love to just talk about it every day at the boat ramp on the phone over text messaging on social media and and never do anything but but the fact that y'all are you know getting together and really doing something to, to change this is awesome and i feel like hopefully that'll be an inspiration other people that want to whether it's release over 20 or, or, or speak up in their own areas about certain issues or start their own thing, you know, it, it doesn't matter how it happens. We just need to be a voice for conservation, you know, and, and it's a big inspiration to see somebody actually doing it. Cause out of North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, not that there's not some, some other organization that's tried to rise up and be a voice for releasing fish and taking care of fish, but I don't know of one. So, um, and you've got your classic CCA and, and, and stuff like that, but, but, a, you know a grassroots movement of people that want to see the fisheries changed is is very powerful so i think that's super cool
1: i appreciate that i have it's kind of like a personal thing for me i, I have very low talents for
0: people that bitch and don't do anything about <laughs> right. it. right
1: so you know whether we make a difference long term is debatable right but at least we're trying
0: exactly exactly
1: that's all you can all you can ask for and having fun know. while doing it too <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
0: that's cool well let's I
1: appreciate you saying that uh, that's that's really
0: rewarding at least there's one guy out there that's gonna try and that's that's you <laughs> um well let's talk a little bit about your fishing down there lately you know there's no there's no release over 20 without the passion of being on the water and catching fish so how has it been this this fall and this winter down there trout fishing and, and just fishing in general
1: pretty good we've Charleston right now, we're kind of a sleeper in the country. Um, The trout fishing in Charleston, and I gotta knock on wood because you never know when a cold snap's gonna come. But right now, um, (laughs) right now, actually this weekend, (laughs)
0: I'm
1: not, I'm not worried about this one. No, this one's not too bad. It's, it's the best it's been um, by every measure, in a long, long time.
0: That's awesome. The
1: DNR trammel net surveys, like. Last year, they had the largest number of trout ever recorded in the trammel nut. Wow. Um, And we're starting to catch fish in areas that I've never seen them before, namely in the freshwater. That's awesome. And um, I was talking to my friend Matt Perkinson um, at DNR. He was saying that he believes it's because there's so many fish now, they're starting to spread into into other areas. You know, there's just so many fish. Which is amazing. Um this spring we had um a, a pretty I'm not gonna say a lot, but we had for this area a lot of twenty three inch drought. because it's, 'cause it's been it's been a fair amount of years since we've had a freeze. A yeah. significant freeze. And I caught one I caught this this year already I caught a twenty three and a twenty four. Nice. So I think those twenty threes are now probably twenty fours. And you know, we knock on wood, we get through this winter, you know, we're going to start having some pretty good trout here.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So it's really exciting for me. Definitely. <laughs> I, love, I love them. Um, that's super I, cool. I I'm, my goal is to catch a 27 in, in South Carolina, and uh, I may die trying, but
0: I think every think winter,
1: it comes, I'm closer. I want to be on the boat the day that happens. <laughs> Dude, I'll freak out.
0: So... In South Carolina, how many how many trout over twenty five inches do you feel like you hear of being caught in us in, in a year? I hear of maybe maybe a dozen. Maybe a dozen. So that that's the thing with like our fishery here in North Carolina right now. Like we get big fish, but man, our fishery is just so cyclical as far as numbers of trout. And that you know, there's lots of practices that go on that that can that can you know equate to that but it's like this trout season was terrible for us i mean there's big there's big fish caught here every year but it's like the the everyday man's like every every fisherman's fish is you know different each season it was very very poor for our numbers of like you know the 16 to 20 inch trout this year um like two years
1: ago it was a banner year wasn't it yeah
0: it was incredible i mean you couldn't go to an inlet in november and fish the creeks around an inlet and not catch 60, 70 trout that were all, like, 17 to 20 inches. Do um, you
1: think, is it hill netting, or is it, are they migratory,
0: or...? I think it's just a... I mean, that, that that year they were fished. Trout are... I don't know how popular trout fishing is in South Carolina, but it's an extremely popular here. I mean, there's a lot... I think it's a combination between commercial and recreational abuse on, on the fish. Like, just so many people hitting them and they they're they all like these big pulses of them come in and they stage on the inlet around the inlets and there's there'll be five boats on every bank when it's good you know and and there's just everybody's keeping their limit every day recreationally and then there's commercial guys out there trying to make a living as well and it it just i think they just can't take it you know because based off of that year two years ago i mean we haven't had a freeze nothing it should be better and better each year and, and part of it, I think, has to do with they are a lot of them are migratory, and and maybe the temperature of the water up north or south, like they, we just don't get the same pushes each year. So it, they're just when they migrate like that, it's hard to really point your put your finger on it. I mean, I know they definitely get overfished here for sure, but um,
1: yeah, it begs the question: of like, what what led to them being so good that one year, though? Exactly it doesn't really hold that because pressure's probably always been there. Yeah, but. They must be coming from somewhere, it seems like. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think we get a lot of fish out of the Pamlico Sound. We get a lot of tagged fish out of the Chesapeake Bay. Um, you know. I think that's wild. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: That's not well known. I, I believe that. I don't have any data to back it up, but uh, my friend Dan Connolly in Burrell's Inlet, he's, I think he's caught a fish tagged in North Carolina. Really. Or, or maybe it was even... Um, beach.
0: have i told you the story of me me sight fishing the migratory trout before i
1: think
0: so. so this was it was i think it was october and there had been a couple little pulses of trout i didn't have a trip i ran out one afternoon to try to trout fish by myself and wasn't doing anything around the inlets but it was slick calm in the ocean and, sl- and no swell so i was like I, I had a tower boat at this time i was like i'm gonna go run down the beach and see if i can find some red fish on the beach and so, like, I come out the inlet, hang a left, start start working up this island called Lee Island, and immediately see this school of fish, and I'm like, oh, sweet. And I get up on them. I'm like, oh, those are blue fish. I'm not going to cast in there. Like, I thought it was a group of blue fish pushing down the beach. There was gray, bigger bodied gray fish, and didn't cast. And then, like, 30 feet down the bank, there's another school. And I let, like, five or six of these schools of fish come by. And then finally, I was like, you know what, forget it. Maybe not. They, they were spread out maybe 50 yards. So I'd see a, a pod of them come through anywhere from like 5 to 50. And then finally I was like, oh, I'll catch a bluefish and threw in there. And it was like a 22-inch trout. And it was these pods of trout. And I they, they ended up yeah. getting kind of tough to catch. I, I was catching some of the like 17 to 21, 22-inch fish. But every once in a while, honest, hand on the Bible, there would be like a pod of like 5 to 8 fish that were massive all swimming together down the beach, like laid my own eyes on them. People can believe me if they want to or not, but they were definitely swimming in size classes, like, you know, some smaller and some bigger ones. But every time I saw this big fish, it was, I saw a couple groups of them and they were all swimming together with other big fish down the beach. Every group coming from the North heading South in September. And so I think we really, I think they get in the ocean and just push away from that cold weather down around you. It might be more of a local because that what the water's, you know you might have a much larger local population that just sticks around all the time because the temperature doesn't change yeah. that much but a lot mm-hmm. of those fish from the bay and and the Pamlico sound i think do pulse pulse down in the ocean but mm-hmm. i've never been able to replicate that i've tried to go out there on calm days and and see them but yeah. i imagine that's what guys are catching like we have a lot of surf fishermen in north carolina that love to go throw mirror lures in the surf for trout at night and that's what they're running into probably are these pulses of fish coming down the beach like that um, but to see him was really cool, and and uh, I could have just never casted and just thought they were bluefish and was going to get bit off. But I'm glad I did. It'll probably never happen again. But They'd
1: probably wish you'd cast cast it earlier. Yeah,
0: the, even still, the big ones were tough. I never got a bite from any of those bigger fish out of there. They're just tougher fish to get to eat. So, yeah, that, that'll
1: haunt your dreams. Uh, I know. Yeah. You know?
0: it was uh really cool. it was that was one of those few, you get it some of those few moments on the water where you like you learn so much from one one thing that happens and that was one for me just seeing those fish move down the beach um it was really cool but um so your trout fishing on there what are your some of your tactics in the winter as far as targeting the, the speckled trout i'm curious being in south carolina if it's pretty similar to here you're dealing with a lot of current what kind of stuff do you like to throw and where do you look for them
1: so we have giant tides here right I knew that
0: mm-hmm.
1: six foot on average. Yeah. And that's a lot of water moving in and out all the time. So um, in the winter time, what I've found in the past is that the trout move way up at the creeks into almost fresh water. I'm talking like seven, eight miles from the inlet. And they're definitely moved. They've moved in there now. Right. It t- usually takes until about January till they really move up. I'm finding some of those fish there, but I'm also finding them down by the harbor, which is totally different. Yeah. And I don't really know why they're there, because I tend to find them there more in springtime, Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of, you know, it's some typical big going on, and I've caught some of those bigger trout in the saltier water. Yeah. But... That being said, I'm catching over 20s way up the creek too, so it's like, I don't really know why some are low and some are high, but it could just, again, be that we have such a population of trout that they're kind of everywhere. But there doesn't seem to be um, a, a big pile of trout in any certain one location, but it's kind of all over. For sure. I've been throwing a lot of hard lures. Like, you know, I I, I follow all the podcasts and look at all the um, online information. I'm throwing mirror lures and um, slick lures and a lot of stuff. And I'm having some success on them. But it's going to sound like an advertisement, but I'm catching more fish on our jigs. Yeah. And Z-Mans. And um, um, where I kind of have two profiles that I use all the time and one is like a trout eye jig on a minnows.
0: uh uh-huh.
1: If you if you throw like a three sixteenth trout eye on a minnows and swim that through the water and look at it, to me it looks like the most real bait fish imitation I've ever seen. That's yeah. not actual baitfish. fish. It just has incredible action. Yeah. And I've caught some of my bigger trout on that. Um I'm also using the Texas eye with a the four inch um, center jerk shads. Those are my two profiles that I'm using at a time. Yeah. And uh, I just caught my 24. I just caught was on the, was on the, um, society. And the new, um, C.A. Richardson color called Get Her Done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like
1: that color. I don't like the name. I hate the name, but I love (laughs) color. (laughs) Color has been lights out for trout and redfish. I just, you know, I try all the colors. That one's become one of my new favorites. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that. If you look on my, Rods, so I'm fishing. That's what you're gonna see.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: And uh, I also like the pure white, the, the white. It's called pearl. Yeah. In thing, but the, the pearl minnows has been if you know if you know me or seen like a lot of my past things and people around here call it the flat shad because <laughs> I use it all the time. Probably one of the few people that just throws plain white, but that thing is produced for me over and over again.
0: Yeah, the man we were talking about that on a podcast that I, I i did earlier today actually about white is just so overlooked but so powerful it's such a good color for so many clear water dirty water just so many different scenarios and I, i'm with you like i've got thousands of dollars probably of hard baits because i listen to all the podcast and, and and i i do we do have some of the fisheries here like i feel like all those hard baits they really shine in those non-current scenarios like you know three two to eight feet of water no current fish laying out on those you know gradual flats and hard baits and suspending baits just work so well in that fast current like i catch fish on hard baits but man they're just they're not as effective as as a soft plastic or a swim bait so it's and and that's the tough thing too it's like i mean there's there's definitely applications i mean to fish those hard baits but i don't i don't really pull them out much unless i'm up in the New River where you fished before, and those types of scenarios. Do you have any of that non-current type of fishing in your area for trout, or is most of it always in some current?
1: Yeah, we do have a few areas you can get out of current, and it's um that's where I'm throwing them. Like it's like you said, and I'm not I'm not saying those things; those lures don't work. And I know they work. Right, right. get so just trout on suspending, but uh, uh, you know dirt baits for sure. And I know you won't catch as many, but usually when you do catch them, they are going to be quality fish. Right. Um, it's just a matter of sticking with it. But, um, you know, I've been in a few cases where I've been in, in the trout, you know, it's like almost every cast. So the first thing you do is start experimenting with different things and see what works, you know. And I've just, it would be like um, on a jig, I'm catching them every cast. And then I'll throw hard lures in there and work them in Multiple different ways, and I'm like catching one every three casts, right? So it's like it's just trial and error, but it's like you said, like down here in Charleston, it's really hard to fish those baits because you have so much current, right? So um, it's a combination of things, they, they certainly work and they work really well.
0: They're just hard work, in the current,
1: it's Not, it's not the best for sure. So.
0: Most of my so. big trout have come on the redfish eye with a five inch diesel. Like, it, it, and a yeah, lot of them come in the boat basins, like out of the current in the winter when it gets cold and just slow rolling those things under docks and whatnot and catching, catch. and, and a lot of white, white and Mullitron. <laughs> Either just all white or that Mullitron yeah. color by Z-Man is, have, have caught some big ones for me. Um, but man, those those Z-Mans with a, a like, a, depending upon the size, whether it's a trout eye or redfish eye, um, and even the Texas eye. Like, I love about swimming a swim bait on a Texas eye, because the way the head kind of wobbles with the tail it's just like this really pretty natural swimming motion um i think it does really really well but um yeah a swim bait in our types of areas i feel like is is money is it's just a good way to catch big ones
1: yeah so the cool thing is the last two trips when i caught those big trout the amazing thing is, that I've also ended up catching the margarita slam on those. You know what that yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. You told me the margarita <laughs> slam. Talked about it before? Yeah, that, yeah. that's but pretty fish cool. Trout, flounder, striper, largemouth.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, why margarita for, slam again? You explained that one time, but I can't remember.
1: Because, and this is I can't. So, I, uh, one a guy on one of our forums here named it because I was talking about it, and I said I need a name for the slam, and he said. It's obvious it's got to be the Margaret land because it's salty and sweet water. Oh, uh, that's right, that's right, that's right. I like that. Because it, it's brackish water, like right? it goes from, you know, it's 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 fun because it's a challenge. So there's always like there's always a challenge for anyone in fishing, whether you're a beginner or you're thinking pretty good. Well, to catch one of those is a wide range of fish, right? So you you're not often going to catch a largemouth in salt water. Right not often to catch a trout in fresh water. The other species, they're going to be anywhere in the brackish water or either extreme. You know. So it's one thing, Like, and I'll fully admit, the, the two that I've caught, the two slams that I've caught the last two trips were, were kind of accidental. Like I had the the ter- traditional slam, and then I went upriver in the backwater water and just found Striper and ran in largemouth and was like, wow. <laughs> I caught it Look, it's not really the right time of year.
0: Right.
1: Uh, November's prime time. Yeah. January, not so much. So it's kind of a thrill to, to be able to catch them. But what's really fun is when you when you go out on a certain day and you say, "Today I'm going to catch a carp. I'm going to slam." Yeah. And purposely try to do it. Yeah. But that's really rewarding because you got to put your head together. You know. So where you know, where do flounder hang out? Well, their ambush predators are going to be. On dock pilings or on you know hard structure with current, you know, you want to um, catch a large mouth, go up river, throw a chatterbait, you know, um, trout. Cool. You want to go toward the harbor where it's more salty and you know catch them in those spots. Redfish are kind of dumb; you catch them almost anywhere. You know, it's that's the easy one, but striper are difficult, man, because they're marauders. You know, they're just always moving in sure. and they're chasing bait around, and you go. Places where you found them in the past, but doesn't mean they're going to be there. Right. So, if you can go there on purpose and catch one on purpose. Yeah, that's you know, cool. Really rewarding. So it's I, I have a lot of fun trying to target that slam. Yeah,
0: that's super cool. It keeps me really interested. I'm gonna have to come there and try to do that sometime. What would you call it if you did? If you included a black drum and a sheep's head into that too? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably <laughs> impossible to do in a day. Uh, you have
1: you have to make your own name up for that. Uh-huh. That's half the fun, <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure, and you'd have to I feel like you'd have to crack into some live bait or something like that to make that happen uh,
1: yeah, well, yeah, you would for
0: sure that uh yeah that, that would be tough, that'd be very tough,
1: really rare to catch a black drum on like artificial,
0: I know it's except for in Louisiana in Louisiana, you can make it happen yeah
1: yeah for, that's that's what I was saying about I need to understand, she said more because the other thing is when I talked about that eighteen and twenty. The year difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, up up in like Pennsylvania, um, New Jersey, those fish get really big. And they must be on a totally different growth, you know, yeah. Schedule than it is here. And in Florida, they get they don't ever really get that big. So yeah,
0: they're, they're always kind of little.
1: They'll easily eat, eat an artificial lure, so they're just they're they're really different depending on
0: where in the country they are. It's funny. One thing I heard one time, I don't know if this is true, and I've always shared this with people like it is, so I probably should look into it. But um, that like most fish species, the larger of that class of fish usually lives the furthest north. So like you think about like blue marlin, bonefish, redfish, like. Re- and if you think about it, it all makes sense. Like, all right, where do the biggest redfish come from? It's like kind of the right. Chesapeake Bay in that area. And then where do the biggest blue marlin come from? North Carolina to Virginia. But you catch them all the way down the coast. And um, I, I wouldn't say it's the same thing with area. trout, but because they go. I
1: think, well, it is true for trout. And I've heard that also, but I've heard it's also like it's the
0: extremes
1: of the range is where they're the biggest.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha.
1: So that might be also on the southern range, right? Yeah. That's definitely the case with trout, right? That's definitely true, in yeah. the you know, mid-part of Florida, in the, in the lower Laguna Madre, you've got some giants. And then I never knew until I started this December 20 what a Mecca Virginia Beach is.
0: Yeah, Virginia's got some big fish.
1: It's literally the capital of trout fishing in the country, Yeah. You know, by, by any measure. I mean, Texas is as well. I think Texas isn't participating as much, but obviously they have an incredible trout fishery. For
0: sure. Yeah, we need to do a trip. Have you been up and fish around Virginia Beach? Uh, yeah. I haven't either. Next we should year. We should do a trip up there. I mean, Are you going this year? Yeah,
1: I'd love to. I haven't had any hard plans yet, but I'm definitely going to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs>
0: this, this November or something. I've always wanted in the summer to go out. I've, I've been out there and duck hunt, but there's an area called Tangier Island. It's like in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, fifteen miles from, from land and um, it's got a bunch of big grass, flats and stuff, but just stripers and trout. Just tons of stripers and trout out there and big ones and um, would awesome. be a fun place to go fish. But that'd um, yeah.
1: be down if you want to go. Yeah,
0: I think that'd be super fun to do. I have always wanted to go do it. I always like I, I try to I've made some relationships up there and I'm always like, Hey, you know, and I just always kinda of get ghosted when I finally talk about coming up there to fish. People are like, just stop texting me back. <laughs>
1: That's happened to me uh, recently as well. <laughs> Someone
0: else talked to Instantly ghosted. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it would I be. It. It, yeah, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. But um, we'll sweet. I won't
1: ghost. I won't ghost you. <laughs> yeah, we we <laughs> there. no need to ghost each other. We uh, pioneers. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Uh, well, cool. Well, is there anything else before you shut this down that you'd, you you want to mention about release over twenty or iStrike or anything like that that we haven't touched? I just uh.
1: I, I, Encourage people and ask them if you uh, if you've been if you believe in at least over 20 what we're doing and um, you know consider either coming to the event or on that day we're gonna just have like uh, some kind of a link to say you know if you don't mind you know send us 20 bucks or something like that right. so if you can don- donate even though you're not here locally you know we're gonna raise a lot of money in Charleston but but that money is going to be used throughout the range of our participation. For sure. So even though it's coming in here, it's going to be distributed elsewhere mostly. And, um, you know, we, we just ask for the support and um, we're just going to try to get the most people with that money possible to start participating. For sure. Hopefully long term, you know, there'll be measurable difference.
0: That's super cool, and yeah, whenever you have those links and whatnot, let me know because I'll definitely push them out on the podcast as well as on social media and whatnot okay. to to get that and out there. For,
1: uh, at release over twenty on social and uh, releaseover20.org is a new website.
0: Cool. Well, heck yeah. yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate
1: you having me on.
0: Yeah, for sure, and as always, we'll you know you and I will do a podcast at least once a year and um, catch up and talk fishing and talk who knows what, but. Uh, event maybe eventually if i get if i get really cool and really big then i can start doing like podcasts about anything i want just like joe rogan or like the meat Eater podcast <laughs> used to be like a hunting podcast but now they just kind of talk about whatever they want to talk about on there so um maybe we'll talk about something else but hopefully it'll Thank always you. just be fishing <laughs> all
1: right well you need to get your butt down here at charleston here sometime soon
0: i know i want to do it maybe this year that's a trip that uh that i can make happen pretty easily jetting down there in the morning and fishing yeah. for the day or something so yeah, um, maybe in the spring when that when it starts to warm up a little bit, we'll do a little trout fishing on there or something. But
1: sounds great. So,
0: yeah. Well, guys, thanks for checking out another episode of Eastern Current. Dave, thanks for coming on as always. Um, we uh, we thank y'all for your support over here. If you would love our content and want to check out more content uh, that that you can't get, you know, on the public internet, check out our Patreon page. We've got a lot of extra episodes over there each week and uh, different videos and whatnot. Doing some satellite map studying over there as well so go check that out if you want to see some more eastern current but guys thanks again we'll see you next week later